Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. It's not just any episode. It's the first episode of Season 3, and in this episode, I have the pleasure, the unique, unique pleasure of interviewing Michael Bungay-Stanier. Now, what you may not know about Michael is that he is one of the world's top executive coaches, literally ranked as one of the top 10 coaches in the world. He's also a podcaster. He's also, most notably, the author of The Coaching Habit, which is the book that I read that led me to reach out to him to see if he would let us interview him. Now, in this interview, in a sense, it kind of becomes, I I would use the word interview lightly because Michael uses the very method, the very technique that he advocates in the book that I found so profound. He utilizes it in the interview and it becomes more of a coaching call, a coaching experience than an interview to demonstrate. I think this is just, he literally lives the principle that he writes about in this book, as well as his newest book, The Advice Trap, he lives it. He demonstrates it in real time without me even realizing what is happening. He utilizes this method, and I'm not going to do too much to tee it up. I want the interview to speak for itself, but I want you to know in the show notes, you can go and buy The Coaching Habit on Amazon. We put a link in there. You can also buy The Advice Trap. The link for that will be in there as well. You can also visit Michael's website, and the website of his coaching firm if you'd like to hire or you know consider the type of coaching that he did on this call through his his firm Box of Crayons. And so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to make that interview available here in just a moment. Before we do, I want to mention a word from the sponsor that has made this episode possible, Moraware. Now Moraware is a software program used by fabricators to essentially quote and schedule and run a countertop fabrication company. But it's more than that. Now, in this episode, the essence of this is effective communication, optimal communication, getting the most out of the opportunities that we have with the people that we lead. Communication is key. It's central. All the problems that we have in a business usually can be traced back to miscommunication. Communication is so important, and that's what Moraware, in a a sense, allows us to do. It makes communication within a stone shop so much more efficient, so much more effective. It allows everybody in the organization access to the information we need to get the job done for the customer so that we can communicate with the customer, whether it is by creating quotes and following up to close the sale, whether it is communicating that information to the next stage of the process so that it can be scheduled appropriately, templated appropriately, fabricated, and ultimately installed on time. Moraware enables professional fabricators the ability to communicate in the most optimal way. So if you are not using Moraware software, you need to visit moraware.com right now. Actually, not right now. As soon as this episode is over and as soon as you have bought Michael Bungay-Stanier's books, then you need to go to moreware.com and schedule a live demo so that they can show you, they can demonstrate to you the power of this software program for fabricators. So now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, my interview with Michael Bungay-Stanier. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, and I'm super excited today, ladies and gentlemen, to have a guest on the Fab Lab podcast, Michael Bungay-Stanier. He is an author, um, a major podcast influencer, thought leader, and uh, we are just so fortunate to have him on the podcast today. So, Michael, welcome to the Fab Lab podcast. Aaron, this is so cool. Like, I'm excited to talk to you. It's cool that you read my book. It's cool that you have a podcast called The Fab Lab. It's such a good name and it's such a, you know, it's fun to talk to a group of people who I've probably not really spoken to much before. So this is exciting for me. 
Yeah, we're, we're definitely a narrow, kind of a narrow focus niche. Most of the audience owns small to mid-sized fabrication shops. So right. They're definitely leading, they're managing, you know, they're overseeing uh, employees that are reporting to them. And so that's why I'm so excited about being able to talk to you about your book, actually your books now, The Coaching Habit and the Advice Trap, because yeah. When I first bought the book, I thought, okay, this is about coaching. And what I realized is this principle has such such broad application. And the scenarios that you lay out in here, I think, is a situation that so many business owners and managers can relate to, having multiple people report to them, multiple people coming to them with problems that they're trying to solve. And so yeah. you come at this from such a unique perspective. Tell us what the premise is of the coaching habit and, and who it applies to. Yeah, so when, when you say the word coaching or I want you to be a coach, most normal people go, I don't really know what that is, but I'm pretty sure I don't want to do that because I'm normal. And you probably met people where you're like, okay, you're a coach. You're a bit weird. You know, you're a bit <laughs> life coachy. What the hell is that? Or executive coach. I'm not really an executive. I run a small business or whatever it might be. And I'm like, okay, here's the power of coaching. Well, here's the definition of coaching. Like, what are we even talking about? It's like, okay. Can you just stay curious a little bit longer? Can you rush to action and advice giving a little bit more slowly? Hmm. And to the people listening, they're like, why? <laughs> why would I want to do that? Because quite frankly, you know, I've got stuff to do. I've got things to make. We've got stuff to go and install. I've got so much on my plate. The idea of curiosity just sounds like an indulgence for hmm. some big company or an HR department, not for, you know, practical small business owners. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me show you how this might help. The first is, I mean, curiosity has shown, the research shows that it has powerful impact on the people that you lead and that you influence. It has a powerful impact on you. It actually makes your life a little bit better. And it actually makes your organizational outcome stronger as well. Hmm. So I think curiosity is a superpower. And the starting point, Aaron, is to, to realize why advice giving actually doesn't work that well. And this is important because almost everybody listening to this podcast is, and I haven't even met anybody, but I'm pretty sure I can put money on this. Everybody is an advice giving maniac. I mean, they love giving advice. And I'm going to say this, if you're an entrepreneur who started your own business, you like it more than most people. I mean, you love it. I mean, part of the reason you started a business is like, I want to tell people what to do. I, want to, I don't want people to tell me what to do. I want to tell people what to do. You, you have that courage and that ambition and that kind of sense of like, this is a good destiny for me. I want to start something important. And I'm like, that's great. But if you want your thing to scale beyond just you, if you want your thing to have impact, if you want to make a real difference, embedding curiosity in the way that you lead can make all the difference. Mm. Now I'm talking kind of highfalutin stuff at the moment, but Aaron, let me turn the tables on you. You know, you, you found the book about maybe a year ago, maybe not quite. And I know that you've been working to kind of add the seven questions we talk about in the coaching habit into the way that you show up and you lead your company. Mm. What's the shift for you? What do you notice differently? Well, at least I would say at this point, I mean, initially as soon as i read the book it, there was no resistance to it at all i mean it was just like this is so clearly the better way i didn't have to get over any hurdles nice. i wasn't it wasn't like you had to argue me and convince me it was just like duh this is so <laughs> obviously the way to lead 
and the, the, the better way to communicate. Yeah. What, I, what I've been surprised by, despite my, my all-in complete commitment to following this methodology, this philosophy, yeah. I still, a year later, it's like it, it requires this. It's not a habit yet. Despite That's it right. being called it takes time. a habit, it's yeah. like I, I, I literally have to consciously think through, even in the middle of conversations, I'm having like two <laughs> parallel conversations going. I'm trying to engage and I'm trying to think, okay, resist the temptation to give advice, yeah. to solve the problem. Think of a good question. You know, you got to be ready to ask a question. Right. And yeah. yet, so the habit has not formed despite yeah. my all-in commitment to doing so. I, I think you're probably giving yourself less credit than you deserve. I mean, part of it is just the ongoing noticing that the, the, oh man, there's some part of me that really wants, I think I've got something to tell them. And I'm like, you know what? You might. And I'm, we're not saying advice is bad. We're just saying, can you slow down the rush to action and advice giving? Mm -hmm. So Aaron, let me ask you this. When you found yourself asking those questions, what, what kind of outcome did you notice for the people that you're asking the questions of? What, what was different? Well, I think the, the conversations have to slow down. You know, yeah. it, the, it, the, the process itself almost like requires that um, now it's an interaction. You're engaging them and they're having to stop and think. Right. <laughs> because, you know, they're not being told what to do. They're being asked, you know, a question of themselves. And they're like, oh, okay, I got to. I got, I got to think for a change, you know, so it, it definitely slows the conversations down. Perfect. So if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, I would like people who I lead to be more competent and more confident and more self-sufficient and more autonomous. Mm -hmm. Just what Aaron's pointing to here. Curiosity is one of the ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Aaron, let me ask you this. How does it, how does it, what difference does it make to you in your life and the way that you show up as a leader? Well, I, th I think it's part, you know, experiential, but it's also more, okay, I know this will produce an outcome. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing the evidence of it. I know intuitively it, it's, it's factual and it will happen, nice. but it's the, the reduction on people's dependency on me. And, right. and my, you know, my, I've talked about this on the Fab Lab, our, our focus, even though we're talking to a lot of guys that are really big into equipment and manufacturing and automatic automation and all this stuff. We don't go there. We talk about process and leadership and management. How do you run the business? Forget yeah. about the equipment. Forget about the tooling. Let's talk about leading people so this business doesn't run you into the ground. Exactly. And so that's been my objective is how do I get this enterprise to run in a sense effectively in my absence so I am not the critical linchpin link right. to keeping it going. So to me, getting more and more into this habit of helping people to see how they can they, they have the answers to these they're closest to the problem anyway right you know so it, it frees me from having to be that problem solver guy which, right um because quite frankly a you become the bottleneck so you slow everything down yep. b honestly your advice isn't quite as good as it, you think it is i mean you started this company so it's not that you don't know stuff of course you do but you're also not right at the front lines anymore. You're not actually talking to the customers as much. You're not actually in the factory every day. You're, you're running the business and that's the appropriate place for you to be working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. But if you become the advice giver, if you're that person that everybody goes to go, you know, 
I could come up with my own ideas, but what's the point? Because Aaron will just give me his idea and we have to do it his way. So <laughs> I was just going to ask him, then you're back working in the business, not on the business. Yeah. And you, you ironically become the weakest link. Hmm. I mean, here's the, here's a piece of research I read, which I thought was so fascinating because, you know, I'm, I run a small business myself. I have nothing but empathy for, for all of this. Hmm. And it's ironic, but the thing that the CEO is best at often becomes the thing that the organization is worst at because the CEO always finds it difficult to hire the person to take over that area. Hmm. So they go like, in my case, it's marketing. Like I like marketing and I, I know just enough to be dangerously amateur at it. But I'm like, every time I hire somebody, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, give it back to me. <laughs> I can do this better. <laughs> and for a long time, marketing became the weak link because I couldn't give it my full attention. I wasn't courageous enough to hire somebody just better than me hmm. to actually take this on. And what went from being a strength flipped to becoming a weakness. Wow. And the power of curiosity, being more coach-like. I mean, that's the language I use. I like, I don't want to turn anybody here onto a coach. I'd like you all to be more coach-like, which is staying curious a little bit longer, meaning a minute or two minutes. You know, rush to action and advice giving a little bit more slowly. If you do that, you start eliminating the weak links in your organization and the weak link is you. Mm. And you're replacing it with people who are closer to the problem and have more time. And who you've said, I'm inviting the best version of you to step forward. I'm pushing accountability and responsibility to the place where it should sit in this organization. Mm. And actually it allows you as the founder or the CEO to be the best version of yourself because you're like, mm. you know what I'm good at? I'm good at running this company. I'm good at looking for inefficiencies. I'm good at thinking about scale. I'm good about differentiating us from our competitors. All the hard stuff mm -hmm. that CEOs have to do, which yeah. is about being in the future and worrying about what's the thing we do badly at the moment that I need to make sure gets fixed. Mm. Like as CEOs, you've got to do a lot of cognitive heavy lifting to figure stuff out to, cause you're responsible for a small organization yeah. and it's hard and it's hard to navigate into the unknown, which is, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you've got a pandemic sweeping through, which just makes it even more obviously tricky. <laughs> but even when there's not a pandemic, it's still confusing because who can guess the future? Nobody. But if you are being sucked into the, the advice giving role in your organization, your organization is missing you out being the future leader that yet we're kind of inviting you to be here. Yeah. Well, and, and my, my guess is in being that person, being, filling that role, the CEO and the problem solver and the visionary becomes equally impossible. It becomes more impossible the more people you have coming to you and peppering you and asking for advice and, and sure. your, the interruptions, the never ending. It's, it's production. Oh, now it's install. Oh, it's sales now. Oh, it's finance. Oh, my God. You know, you just never, right. you, you never have a. Uh, and you go home in the evening and you're like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've been like, it's like I've been attacked by a swarm of mosquitoes through the day. Everybody's drawing out a little bite of blood. Nothing's <laughs> fatal in and of itself. But you get home and you're like, to your, your partner, your spouse, whoever, you're like, or your dog, you're like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. And how much of the work that only I could do did I do today? And the answer is not enough. And my guess for most people in that small business realm, they're so busy even stopping long enough to ask that question. Yeah. You know, is tough. It's, 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 the, the challenges are so in your face and so unrelenting. 
that uh, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to even step back far enough to see ourselves in this role in this place that we found ourselves with everybody reporting to us. I know. So I, there's two things I want to, um, I can't decide which one to ask you first. <laughs> and maybe, so, let, let me, um, because you mentioned the curiosity, even for a minute. Yeah. And what, what that, the question that came to mind was that, that, that insight in your book about oftentimes the first problem people bring to you actually isn't the real problem. Yeah. And so just or habitually second nature, you know, going into advice mode, you oftentimes haven't even addressed the problem. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's where that curiosity gets. So I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but maybe you could address that with this question. So, so let's just take a stone shop owner. He's got 10 to 15 uh, employees maybe most if not all of them are reporting to him or her currently yeah. so, so walk us through how, what's the first step for that owner who is goes like yeah, that's me i am exhausted when i get home and <laughs> i think everybody actually is <laughs> reporting to me what what's the first step how, how do they begin to, to change this experience utilizing yeah. your method and, and this philosophy well, let me ask you, you know, because you, you've walked the path a little bit ahead of other people might be living. Mm-hmm. You know, as you reflect back on the last nine months or so of you think to yourself, I want to make this being more coach-like a bigger part of how I show up. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? I mean, what, what have you learned and what, what would you tell other people who are listening in about this is, this is part of the journey? Mm-hmm. Well, since I, in terms of our organizational structure, I, I would answer the question like this. It's probably two parts. Number one, I, it's hard to make the time to, to dedicate that one-on-one interaction to where I'm creating space for the people that do report to yeah. me so that they do know, okay, I've got my allotted time with Aaron yeah. to come and sit down um, and, and deal with things I need to deal with. But I see those folks who have people that are reporting to them, they're dealing with the exact same thing with their reporting employees, the exact same thing. And so it's, A, it's difficult to, to make the time to actually carry this out in the crit space. Um, but at the same time, I see this huge opportunity to teach my supervisors how to utilize this Perfect. with their own reports. Um, so I think the important thing to, to start off is just acknowledge it's hard. Like what we're talking about is a shift in behavior. That's not a trivial shift in behavior. It's a significant shift of behavior. You've, everybody listening has probably tried to incorporate, you know, a, a, a more minor way of change of behavior. It's like, okay, new safety regulations. We've got to start wearing this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, that's, even though this is like stopping people chopping their fingers off, it's still hard to get them to make that shift. And it's, you know, it's law and it's a simple thing about, and changing your behavior to give less advice is actually trickier and more embedded in the kind of, if you like, the ego satisfaction of giving the answer. Because look, when you're giving the answer, look look how smart I am. Look how, look, I may be the old dude, but I still got it. See, even though I founded this, I'm still smart. I'm, and you're like, and look at me helping everybody out because I want to be seen as helpful. So I'm helpful as well. And look at me controlling everything. I'm in control of everything. That feels really good. There's a whole bunch of ego-based reasons where you're like, oh, I just love giving advice. So what I would say is to say, look, first of all, one of the key resistances to coaching or being more coach-like is people go, it takes too much time. Mm. Like we're really busy. Who has time for that? And what I would say is it, it, it can, if you're thinking that a, it's like an executive coaching session, like come my off and we're going to do a coaching today. It doesn't work. The three principles that we have around coaching are be lazy, be curious, be often. 
So let me break those down. Be curious. You're kind of getting, you know, the language I use in the new book, the advice trap is learn to tame your advice monster. Cause you've got that advice monster inside you. You know, I did a, a TEDx talk and if people want to see the TEDx talk, you can see me talking more about advice monsters on that. Um, then there's be, be often. So being often is recognizing that any interaction with somebody mm. can be a bit more curious because that's what coach like is. Stay curious a little bit longer. So that's mm. a, phone call that's a text that's a slack if you use slack that's a one-to-one in your office every time you're interacting with somebody you're like can I be curious just a little bit longer mm-hmm. and then being lazy is just like oh yeah i've got to stop solving other people's problems for them for all the reasons that we've already talked about yeah so for me what doesn't work is people you know reading the book or maybe listening to this podcast aaron and going they were awesome. I'm just going to do that. Right. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to be more coach like with everybody all the time. Now it's amazing. I'm like, look, I like your enthusiasm, but you are destined to fail. If that's what you're trying to do. What I would do is I would like pick one or two people, you know, you probably know the people who you're thinking on your team. It's like, who, where would be the really big win? If I was able to give them more economy and more confidence and more competence, who would I really like to grow? Hmm. Who would I really like to be able to shift the way that I show up for them and therefore they show up for their people? Hmm. So you've got one or two people in your mind. And then I think about, okay, when you're interacting with them, when, do you, when does your advice monster get kind of go nuts? <laughs> you know, when, when does it kind of get loose and you're like, oh man, every time Aaron shows up and says this, I just go, <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm like, okay, I've got to stop that. So now you've got a person and you've got a moment. And then my question is, if you could pick one question to ask, mm. what might that question be? Mm. And, you know, in the Coaching Habit book, there's it's just seven questions. I'm like, if you, if you can master some of these seven questions, you're going to shift your leadership a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it might be, you might introduce the learning question, which is the question you ask at the end of any conversation. Hey, Aaron, good chat. What was most useful or most valuable here for you? Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and what happens, of course, is they like, oh, yeah, okay, what was useful or valuable? And then they figure it out. Mm-hmm. And by them figuring it out, they get smarter because you've forced them to create a new neural connection. Mm-hmm. Also, you've got smarter because you've just had the feedback going, this is the thing that made the difference. So you may go, that's the question for me. I love that question. What was most useful and most valuable here for you? Mm-hmm. Really good conversation, the question to ask clients as well and vendors. Or you could do the focus question. We were talking about that before, which is like, you know what? We spend too much time trying to solve the wrong problem. So somebody comes into your office and goes, hey, Aaron, blah, 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 blah. You're like, oh, I want to give them advice. But wait, I'm going to stay curious a little bit longer. I'm going to ask the focus question. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Michael. What's the real challenge here for you? Hmm. And they're going to go, oh, well, the real challenge is this. And you're going to go, okay, that's interesting. And even though your advice monster is like, oh, I've told you the real challenge now. Tell them the answer that you've got in your mind because you'll have an answer. You go, great, what else, could, what else do you think the challenge is? Mm. And then you go, oh. And you know what? There'll probably be a second challenge, something related but different. Mm. And then you go, great, I love this. What else is a challenge here for you? And then you lean in a little closer and you go, okay, Aaron. What's the real challenge here for you? And they're going to get this insight as to what the real thing is that needs to be fixed. Mm. And you know what? Half the time they're going to know what the answer is because mm. <laughs> they're going to go, Oh, 
oh, if that's the real challenge, I know how to fix this or I know what my next steps are. Yeah. And half the time they're not going to know. You go, so what could you do? And they're going to go, oh, and they'll have an idea. Yeah. And then you go, okay, what else could you do? And they're like, oh, I've got another idea. And you go, okay, what else could you do? This is, you're on a roll. And this, is amazing. this is amazing. What else could you do? And if you want to, at the finally, at the end, you're like, I love all the ideas you've got. How about you could also do this? Just it, That's something I've tried in the past that was successful as well. And now you've had this conversation, which is quick. I mean, it was like five minutes, maybe. Not even that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But you've just had an interaction where they, they figure stuff out. They get smarter. They keep ownership of the problem. Mm-hmm. You've got their back. You don't want, to, you don't want them not to, not to ever feel that you don't have their back. But having their back doesn't mean giving them the answer. It means creating the space for them to think, figure it out, and then make sure they walk out the door with a solution that's going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. That, that makes... Well, you make it sound so easy. I'm, I'm guessing you've probably had some practice. With, I have, you know, exactly. <laughs> but as, as I'm hearing you say that, it's 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 so fluid, and and it just it's like, it, well, what else do you think the problem is, or what? You, the way you're rattling that off, I think where I got hung up was was probably overthinking the the method. It's like okay, I got to have a scheduled sit down. I yeah. have to begin with what's on your mind, which right. Not to say that that isn't a powerful, I've been amazed because that's how I would start every meeting uh, where oftentimes they get right to the real issue, <laughs> got into it. They might've been this and well, I don't want to mention that, but if you really want to know what's on my mind, Boom. wow. And it's just very revealing. And a lot of times yeah. it's not even work that's on their mind. You yeah. People are dealing with all kinds of stuff yeah. that are pressing in on them. So, you, so anyway, you, the way you said that was, um, not only just the way you said it, but the way you set that up, that that could be a five minute conversation. Exactly. Just as powerful out on the shop floor in a chance interaction. Totally. As it is in a sit down. Poss- possibly even more so. Cause yeah. you know what? You're kind of, you're kind of sneaking it in. Like they don't even yeah. realize it's happening. <laughs> it's like trying to get kids to eat vegetables. It's like you're slipping the spinach into the spaghetti sauce. <laughs> don't even know that they're having something nutritious here. It just tastes like spaghetti sauce. I mean, Look how many times in this podcast interview I've just casually turned the tables on you and asked you questions. Yeah. And you're like, there's part of your brain that no doubt goes, what's happening here? <laughs> and then there's part of you going, oh, but here I am answering the question. <laughs> right? yeah. Because yeah. I'm not making a big deal about it. I'm not trying to make it weird. I'm just genuinely curious to go, hey, you know, what do you learn? From? I mean, I've got an answer. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of role modeled what I'm suggesting here. When you went, what would you tell people? I go, Hey Aaron, I've got an answer. But before I tell him my answer, what's your answer? I mean, how would you do this? And yeah. they're like, Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> and that's me being lazy. So you're watching me be a lazy podcast guest, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm being lazy about having all the answers. Mm. I am working on the process i'm working on how i show up am i fully present am i really curious am i committed to this person's well-being am i trying to get the best of aaron and the best of myself into this conversation so it's not that i'm not working but i'm just not taking ownership on needing to answer every question or have all the answers well and it's interesting i hear you say that and in a way it it makes it easier for me too because it's easier for me to answer a question because I can, I can stop and think about it and, and answer it as opposed to I've got to come up with, you know, it, 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 and so not that it makes it 
but I find that equally not lazy. That's the wrong word, but, but it, 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 it relieves the stress totally. of this interaction that we're having. You're asking me a question. Okay. I can answer a question. I can just be honest. That's yeah. Um, exactly. It's like part of this is like, let, we are all just human beings here. Can everybody calm down and let's just have a conversation about it. Yeah. And you know what? A conversation where you get to be really curious about what's going on yeah. is often a better conversation for them and for you and therefore for your organization as well. Yeah. You, you know, as you, you mentioned clients and vendors, I, I thought, okay, clients and vendors, I want to ask, I jotted that down. And then as you were talking through this, the, the interaction, this is, I don't think it's just a price. And I'm thinking that there's probably there's 10,000 scenarios where situation with the client went badly yeah, totally. and the client was upset and the owner's got to go deal with it. And now we, we've, you know, there's this impasse. And I, and I was just thinking the power of having the same approach to what's the, cause I think in, in retrospect, in these, these after action reports of these disastrous, you know, jobs and client yeah. situations yeah. That just went completely sideways. It's like, you know what? I don't, in, in thinking about this, I don't think it was the countertop they were so pissed off about. There it's, was never the countertop. it's never the countertop. It's never the countertop. It was something else that was going on either between us or in their life, and it was just the countertop issue. Right. You know, so, so I'll give you another example. This may ring true as well. So you're selling countertops. And what that means is everybody's got a bias to talk about countertops. So when somebody calls you up, what they're going to say is, hey, Aaron, I need a countertop. I wonder if it's true. And mm. you go, hey, yes, you know what? That's great because we do countertops. <laughs> but let me ask you what, you, what are you up to? What do you want in your kitchen? Mm. You know, and what's the real challenge for the way your kitchen currently works? And what else is annoying about your kitchen? And, what, and if we could make this perfect for you, what would that look like? Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, you mentioned I need a countertop. I need a splashback. I need a, a granite statue of my grandmother because she's the, <laughs> the spirit of my Italian cooking heritage. And I want that in the kitchen as well. It's, it's a classic. This is sales. Mm-hmm. And if sales, if there's, I'm, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a sales expert, but curiosity fueled a great sales conversation mm-hmm. because the way most sales conversations go is the person shows up asking for a solution to a non-articulated answer. Mm-hmm. And if the person who does sales for you is like, I'm used to selling countertops. So when somebody shows up and goes, Hey, I need a countertop. The person goes, well, you know what? I sell countertops. So that's fantastic. Let's talk about installation details. Mm-hmm. And now you're into now you're leaving behind a conversation that could uncover all sorts of issues, mm. nip issues, you know, problems in the bud, uh, open up opportunities for upselling and cross-selling and downselling and all sorts of additional revenue opportunities. Yeah. And you get to, I mean, the questions that are in the coaching habit book, what's the real challenge here for you yeah. and what else, what do you want? If you're going to say yes to this, what do you want to say no to, mm. you know, um, uh, how can we help? Yeah. <laughs> what was most useful and most valuable here for you? Imagine a conversation where you're going, I'm going to ask all of these questions to these customers. What shifts in terms of revenue, in terms of client happiness, in terms of referrals? I mean, imagine your clients and when they, when their friends say, you know, who installed your countertop? They go, they did a really nice job on the countertop, but they're really good people. 
because you know what? They were really curious as to what I wanted and they really delivered something that was just exactly what I was hungry for as opposed to, yeah, they know stone. It's like one's going to get your referral network going and frankly, small business countertop installations, referrals has to be a huge part of your marketing. You can't survive. They can't, they can, they care partially about, the countertop that, but that's tables, literally table stakes. If that's a bad pun, <laughs> but, but the thing that differentiates you from your competitors potentially is your ability to bring curiosity into that relationship. Because what you're doing is you're bringing a relationship into the relationship rather than keeping it a transactional. You give me money. I'll give you countertop. Right. Well, and that, I, I love the way that that, it changes the dynamic it's relationship. It changes the relationship right. too. Cause we, I heard a, a sales presentation, gosh, probably during the great recession where we weren't even sure we were going to make right. it. A guy named Steve Riddle. He, I think he, he, he ran the blinds.com uh, call center. So he knew sales and he gave this presentation on question. He called it questions based selling. And I came back from that seminar and we changed our whole sales right. presentation. And here it is 10, at least 10 years later, we still ask the same eight questions. It's called the eight standards of excellence, but it's still tr- hearing you, hearing you ask that series of questions in that sales scenario. It is so much more relational where even our questions based approach is, is probably more transactional. It's these questions in this order, in a sense, we're asking the question, but it's because we already know the answer. And so we're starting from this sort of presumptive I don't know if it's arrogance or we already know what you need. We, you just haven't realized it yet. Yeah, exactly. As a, Who as does a this question serve? Exactly. I'm like, it's serving me because I'm getting you to sell the thing that I want to sell you. Right. And yeah. it's easier for us to trail staff, you know, in terms of an effective totally. it's a method and it, and it has proven to be more effective. Yeah. But I like the way I'm just, I mean, just real time. I'm sitting here thinking how, how would this shift that it's, relationship? It's not, and it's not either or like there's a way that, Asking those eight questions, I bet, helps people articulate a need mm-hmm. and a brief that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah. So it can be really powerful around that. But my guess is that you're probably, at least some of them are closed questions. Is it this, this, or this? Yeah. Well, no, um, th- that was... Or maybe not. They're very open-ended. But okay. I think here's the interesting thing. They're all crafted so carefully so as to elicit the response we want so that we can provide our solution. We can solve the problem right. as opposed to being even more genuine and open answer, open-ended to invite maybe answers we didn't expect. So it would be interesting to experiment. Hmm. Like, you know, I, I don't know how many people do sales in your company, Aaron? Uh, about three. I mean, three. actual face. Yeah doing presentations, following up that. And is there one of them where you're like, I'd love to give him or her the, some additional tools to experiment. Yeah. 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 So, and what you might do is you might co-create this with them. Mm. You're like, you know what? I want to test this with you because I know you've got a degree of flexibility and and an interest in expanding this. I want you to help us level up our curiosity based selling and we've got we've got a bunch of questions here's some from michael here's some other ones i like but it's like how would we redesign the process to have it more open open open-ended which does two things 
it invites more possibilities into the door good for you guys because there's like more opportunities to sell and upsell and all of that it creates more ambiguity and uncertainty not good for you guys because it's ambiguity and uncertainty <laughs> and part of the decision you make is what's the trade-off do we sit with the discomfort and and this 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 is the this is the fundamental resistance to to being more coach-like is it always feels nicer to give the answer even when your answer is wrong even when you're solving the wrong problem <laughs> it's like you're still like hey, me i got the answer i've made the sale i'm a smart person i'm in control i'm saving the person you've got all of that stuff right when you're genuinely in a place of curiosity you invite in uncertainty and ambiguity and serendipity and it's a higher risk but part of what you're learning is that sense of you can sit with more risk than you thought and the upside is worth it. Maybe. And it'd be worth it. It'd be, you know, it'd be an interesting invitation to try experimenting with that. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, I'm thinking this has broader applications. We developed a piece of equipment for our industry and, and, and how inviting that discomfort and inviting that ambiguity, because we, in a sense, we're this, we have the advantage of having been in the middle of this solution so long, it's become second nature to us. Right. And yet we're presenting it to folks who are only seeing it for the first time. Yeah. And so I reckon, I recognize this in myself and I'm, that's why I need to stay out of sales whenever possible and impatience. It's like, can't you see the, 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 your, your need for my product, you know, that I've created? That is, that is the dilemma of sales, right? <laughs> Every salesperson feels that tug going, I've got an answer. I don't know what your problem is, but I've got an answer for you and I'm really keen yeah. to sell it. Yeah. But to, to, to somehow think through how do we work? And I mean, I've got two different sales departments that are going to listen to this podcast, whether they know it or like it or not. <laughs> But to, to, to weave that into those conversations, that curiosity, and that's such yeah. a simple, it's so doable to think, if I could default to being curious, if I could just default to asking questions, right. if I could just default to, to why'd you call me? Why, <laughs> why don't you tell me why you, you called me? Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah. Oh, and, What's hard for you right now? What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, just to all of Aaron's sales team who are now being forced to listen to this conversation. <laughs> Remember, it's like it's it's not never make the sale. It's not never give advice. It's can you stay curious a little bit longer? Mm. Can you rush to action, i.e., closing the deal, or advice giving, i.e., moving up to closing the deal a little bit more slowly? Mm. Because the longer you can stay, keep things open, the the closing moment will come. It'll be obvious enough, but you just might end up in a more interesting place. Mm. It's certainly worth experimenting with. Yeah. And, and you, you call it lazy, which, you know, for me has kind of a negative connotation. Oh, totally. It's, it's you know? designed to be provocative. It's designed to make you go, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not a lazy guy. I've started three companies. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, but it's easy in, in a sense. And, and I don't mean not without its challenges, but it's like I can, I can relax yeah. and, and do this yeah. as opposed to the, you know, the, the norm, which is high intensity, high, high degree of control, I want this outcome that I've just being able to relax, take a deep breath and just, I can be curious. I could do that. Yeah. And wow. Even if it does take a little bit longer, am I willing for that trade off to have that sort of an experience versus, you know, yeah. <laughs> the norm. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, this is, 
this is awesome. So I know from a timing standpoint, we probably ought to start winding this down. Too, so yeah. it, it's interesting. Last Friday, I got the, um, so about 20 years ago, I read this book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael, hey, Michael Gerber. Gerber. Yeah. And, and same thing. It was at a, it's such a formative stage of my business. I'd been in business maybe a year, year and a half. So I had yeah. no preconceived ideas and I bought into that hook, line and sinker. And 20 years later, I can say that that is still the, and we just interviewed my Emeth coach last Friday. So good. Yeah, perfect. A hundred episode. And so when I, as I was contemplating this interview, I was thinking I'm at the same place with the coaching habit that I was 20 years ago, having read the Emeth and, and to see it's like this hinge in, in terms of the, the entire course of my business career swung on it. And I, I really believe that because this has such broad application in the business, employees, fellow managers, customers, in the sales or in dealing with a, a problem on the job site after the install, that, that this creates that basic fundamental philosophy to essentially operate from that has application with my kids, that has yeah. it with my wife. So I just... I can't speak highly enough about the message that you have put together in this book. And I'm just getting into the advice trap. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. And so I just thank you for putting this together. And, and I, I just see this as being that, that transformative of a message that it will be 20 years from now. I'll be looking back and going, this reshaped how I interacted with people. And that so it means a lot to me. Thank you. I mean, that's high praise indeed. I mean, the it's a great book and, and a seminar one, right? So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, hey, so anybody in the audience wants to get a hold of you, wants to get a copy of the, the coaching habit or the advice trap, how do they interact with yeah. you? You know, the best place to go is mbs.works. Okay. Um, you know, you can find assorted access to the book and there's a ton of free re resources in both the books that people can get. One of the things in the new book, The Advice Trap, that we offer is something called The Year of Living Brilliantly. And it's a 52-week, 52 different teachers, each with a two to six minute video just basically teaching you stuff about how you show up and lead and live your life in a way that will help you level up mm -hmm. and it's totally free. You just need to kind of sign up and get engaged in it. So if people want to kind of grab some stuff there, mbs.works is the place to go. Oh, fantastic. Well, fellow fabricators, fans of the fab lab podcast, um, do that. Go visit Michael's site and, and, and get a copy of his book, the coaching habit. I, I you will, uh, you don't have to worry about becoming a coach. Um, all you got to do is worry about being challenged to change the way that you interact with the people that you lead, and it's going to have a major impact. So, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Yeah, take care. Wow. Wow, that's all I can say. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that's sinking in. I hope you will go back and listen to that episode again after you have visited the show notes and bought his books so that you can utilize this fantastic method of, of not falling into the trap of giving advice, but being curious, asking questions, helping the people that you lead to, in a sense, grow into their roles to do that work, which will actually, in the end, free you up to do the other things that you want to do in your business and in your life. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what an honor, what a privilege. Michael, if you're listening to this, I just want to reiterate what... What an honor it was that you would come on the Fab Lab podcast and share with us what you've written about in your great books and what you advocate. And so, ladies and gentlemen, 
This is just a foretaste of things to come in Season 3 of the Fab Lab Podcast. So I want to make sure that you support our sponsors. Make sure you visit moreaware.com. Make sure you support our interview guests. Go get a copy of The Coaching Habit and The Advice Trap. And make sure that you tune in next week for the next episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. And until then, happy fabricating.